Well, thank you, praise team, for that good music. Uh, let me make a comment or two before we turn to 2 Timothy. I miss being here last Sunday. Uh, I was getting over a grand head cold, and then when I got up Sunday morning, I could not hear out of this ear, and someone had put silly putty in my ear. I was confident. And with the encouragement of my daughter, I went to Urgy Care, and they say, you have an ear infection. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I cannot judge the volume of my speaking. I, I don't think I ever remember having an ear infection. And then she, the lady who was doing the talking says it may take weeks to clear up. I said, thank you for that good news. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm about a half bubble off level. Now, I'm not talking about mentally, but I'm talking about in terms of my ability. I cannot right now, uh, I hear a lot of strange noises, and it's just uh, a part of getting old and having an ear infection. So let me say this. Two weeks ago, I felt like the Lord had laid on my heart uh, a, a sermon on being discouraged. I know it's been about a year since you, as a church, have uh, been looking for a pastor. I want to say to you that oftentimes the devil uses discouragement to rob us of our joy and our service for the Lord. And let me also say, because uh, I've been around a while other churches are having the same problem. And so it's no reflection on this good church. And what we do is what Paul said for us to do. We press on. The second thing I want to say is I hope those of you who believe in prayer are praying for what's happening in our world today. Even politicians who make no profession of any faith say that we're living in tenuous times. The war in Israel could spread. There is real concern about uh, Hezbollah, which is in Jordan, getting involved. And all of this is being sponsored by Iran. And so we're living, and if you notice, 100,000 people demonstrated in Washington yesterday. So God's people need to be praying we need to pray for our leaders, and we need to pray that somehow God would bring order out of chaos. So let's go to our scripture. What we have here is Paul opening, as it were, his life to Timothy. Remember, Timothy was being mentored by Paul, and here in this passage, you seem to have some insight to a time in Paul's life who was certainly a committed, dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. But yet he opens for us and lets us see that he was discouraged. And so I want you to think about that as we read through this text. Paul, in writing to Timothy, said, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, 
and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls and especially the parchment. Alexander, the metal worker, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. And you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposes our message. At my first defense, no one came to, to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the mouth of the lion. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to the heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Let me say at the beginning that discouragement as a Christian is not a sin. But to yield to that discouragement and turn our backs on the Lord and quit serving Him with fervor and commitment then becomes a sin. And in the arsenal of the evil one, discouragement is one of his main weapons. As a Christian, I have been greatly encouraged by the writings of Dr. David Jeremiah. Some of you probably have seen him on TV. He's about 81. God has used him in a great way out in California. And he's written a number of books, and I have benefited from his books. I have, one, I have several of his books, but one book that is particularly important to me, he talks about slaying the giants in your life. And one of the giants that he mentions, along with guilt and along with doubt and along with anxiety, he mentions discouragement and says that for the Christian, discouragement can become a giant that we have to deal with. And in that book, he shows us a way to deal with discouragement. And so this morning, as I thought of this church that I have grown to love, I dare say that for a number of reasons, I'm talking to people who love the Lord, but you're going through a period of discouragement. And let me say again, discouragement itself is not a sin. All of us have been there. All of us have done that. But it does become a problem when we allow the devil to use that giant in our lives so that we turn away from following the Lord. And after 60 years of preaching the Word of God, after 60 years of pastoring various churches, at least two churches, I have found that oftentimes people who were serving faithfully our Lord, but they went through a period of difficulty, they became discouraged, and they turned away from the Lord. If I was writing a book, I could probably dedicate a whole chapter to this matter of discouragement. Discouragement along with fear and temptation and doubt 
and guilt can become a giant that lives on the block of our lives and becomes a bully. So let's talk, first of all, about the recognition of discouragement. Dr. Jeremiah, in his book, says it is a very common foe that we have to face. And the devil will use it as an enemy, and he will attack in our time of discouragement. He will attack our heart. He will attack our mind. He will attack our spirit. And if we don't, are not careful, we'll allow that discouragement to turn us away from serving the Lord. A giant, I call it a giant because a giant is anything that attacks us or assaults us, our heart, our soul, our mind, and that giant can cause erosion in our spiritual walk with the Lord. That giant of discouragement can rob us of our joy and our peace as we seek to serve the Lord. All through the Bible, the Bible talks about giants. Now in the Old Testament, basically, they were talking about physical giants. You remember when uh, Israel was getting to go, ready to go into the promised land, they sent scouts out to look at Canaan and to see what was there. And they came back and some gave a good report and some gave a bad report. But someone mentioned what we saw there, they were the sons of Anak. Now, the sons of Anak were like giants to the Jewish people. In statue, Jewish people are not very tall. I remember as a young man, I was attending a crusade by Hyman Appleman. I doubt if anybody here has ever heard of Hyman Appleman. But he was a great Jewish evangelist, and he was bragging because his son was 5 feet 11 inches tall. The point of it is, is the fact in terms of the Jews, there were people in Canaan a lot larger. And so they reported that when we go over there, it is a land flowing with milking and honey, but there are giants in the land. Also, we know the story when David faced Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. You remember it was the giant who came out and taunted and teased the army of Saul. And it was young David who went before and slew the giant. In the New Testament, the giants that we have to face are not physical, but they can be spiritual. Indeed, you remember when our Lord was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember he took that inner circle of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he said to them, I want you to stay here, and I'm going a little further and, I won't, and I'm going to pray. And he began to pray. And it's as if our Lord looked into the cup of the cross and saw what it meant to bear the sins of the world. And this is what our Lord said. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I'm suggesting to you this morning that even in the life of our precious Lord, he faced that giant of discourage, 
as he looked up Calvary's mountain and he saw there that he would be the bearer of our sins. He would be the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but for the whole world. In our text, Paul makes it abundantly clear that he's discouraged. He said, no one came to support me, but everyone has deserted me. I would say that in his work as an evangelist, in his work as a church planner, and then he mentions four men, four men that had deserted him in his work for the Lord. One of the reasons that I am faithfully a prayer of our missionaries who, who serve our Lord and, and the International Mission Board. I was a trustee there for about eight years and it was a pleasure to me to meet so many of our missionaries who go to 120 or 30 countries sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know that they sometimes get discouraged. And so every day I try to pray for our missionaries who are having birthdays. And I pray, Lord, I want to pray for their ministry. I want to pray for their health. I want to pray for their, any problems they are having because, you see, when you're in a foreign land, when you're there and you do not have the closeness of a local church, it is easy to get discouraged. As I said a while ago, I believe right now I'm talking to, to somebody who, who is discouraged. Discouragement can cause us to turn our back on the Lord. Discouragement is not the giant that you see. It is the giant that you feel deep in your soul. And so the question is, what, what causes us to be discouraged? Well, one thing, being sick will cause you to be discouraged. I've uh, visited with a lot of sick people in my life. I, I don't know how many visits I've made to the hospital, and probably without exception, those people who are there in the hospital are discouraged. Even a common cold will make you discouraged. You take that medicine, it makes you feel odd, like I'm feeling right now. And so I may break out in something before I get through with this sermon. But my point is, sickness will make you, particularly for some of you who are struggling with serious health problems, the devil will use that just because you're sick. You might even be facing a, a life-threatening health problem the devil, as a child of God, will not let up on you or me. And he will use that giant of discouragement to get us to turn away from the Lord. Along the journey of life, it is not long before you and I realize that things don't always turn out as we plan. You know, as young people, we plan to do this, we plan to do that, we have our, our lives all mapped out, and then it's not long before we realize that there's a lot in life that is out of our control. And when things seem to be out of control, that is when the devil will step in. He does that in churches. Folks, I, I would write a chapter in my book on how churches lose sight of the Lord and how how they become discouraged and the devil uses it and he becomes divisive because the devil can use us being discouraged. 
Things don't always turn out like we plan. Things are out of control. And, and when we are out of control, when we recognize there are certain things that we just cannot take care of. I know I'm a lot older than about 90% of you here, but one of the lessons that I have learned that and some people have a tendency to be a control freak. I've been accused of that. The point is, I've learned a long time ago, there's a lot in life I have no control over. There's a lot in life I would change if I could. There's a lot in life it would be different if I was able to do it. But since I cannot, then I recognize that I, as a Christian, must recognize that I do not have control of my life in a lot of areas but I can make a choice to do what? See, it's not so much what happens to us. It's how we respond to what happens to us. All of us will go through difficulty. All of us will go through discouragement. All of us will have plans that don't work out. All of us will have a place when our hearts are broken, when things are not well at our jobs or in our home or or maybe in some other area of your life, and you recognize it seems to be out of control, and you have no control over it. That's a little redundant. But my point I'm making is, we do have a choice of how we react to what we cannot control. Because, you see, we can be bitter, and we can shake our finger at God, and when things don't go as we plan, we feel like that God has failed us. And that's the reason we need to recognize that discouragement is an instrument often used by the devil. I thought about it as I was preparing this sermon, and I thought about the instance in Scripture where God's people were doing their best to follow Jesus or to follow the Lord in the Old Testament. And they were being discouraged as they did it. You remember Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books of the Old Testament. And towards the end of the Babylonian captivity, Nehemiah, that good and godly man, went to King Artaxerxes. King Artaxerxes at that time was king in Babylon. And he asked King Artaxerxes, do I have your permission to take a group back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem? Now you remember, you see, they had been in captivity for 70 years and, and things had begun to deteriorate in Jerusalem and the wall had fallen down and Nehemiah said, King, if you will allow me to take some of my workers so we can begin to repair the wall. Well, believe it or not, Artaxerxes gave Nehemiah permission, and you can read about that if you read the book of Nehemiah. And so he goes and he begins to rebuild the wall. And along comes a man called Tobiah. Tobiah was an Ammonite. The Ammonites were one of the main enemies of Israel. You remember when they went across uh, the Jordan River into Canaan, they were the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and these were the enemies of the people of God. By the way, folks, Israel 
has always been under attack. If you know anything about history, and recently one of them said, the reason we will fight is because we have nowhere else to go. And as a Christian, I hope that you are concerned because according to the Scripture, Israel is the apple of God's eye. Now, they may not be serving God, and they may be secular, and they may have no thoughts of God, but in the economy of God, Israel has a special place. I'm probably getting a little too loud. In fact, this week, I was talking to a lady. She said, you're not talking loud enough. Nobody's ever accused me of that. (laughs) But the point I'm trying to make is, is that we who are people of God, we who are Christians, I hope that you're daily praying for what's happening in our country because since 1948, there have been those people who wanted to destroy Israel as a nation state. And they say, we will fight and we will continue to fight because we have nowhere else to go. And just so I try to be balanced, I also pray for the innocent Palestinians. And I know people are being killed. And I don't have enough wisdom to know how that all balances out. But I know that the Bible talks of war and rumors of war. And God's people, we should be praying. And so as Nehemiah went and rebuilt the wall, along comes Tobiah. And what Tobiah did was to make fun not only of what they were doing, but he made fun of those who were building the wall. And in fact, if you read closely Nehemiah, he said, Tobiah said, if a fox jumps on that wall, it'll fall down. Well, that would discourage me if I was trying to build a wall. And so he begins to get them to try to stop doing what Nehemiah felt was God's will for him to do. Now, why do I bring that up? It's because in the Christian life, there will be times when you as a Christian will try to be doing the very best you know how. Doesn't mean you do it perfectly or do it perfectly. Doesn't mean that we always know everything that God wants us to do. But if God knows our hearts, we're trying to serve him. And because of that, along comes the evil one and discourages them. And so here is Nehemiah's response to the giant of discouragement. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15, he says, We all return to the wall, each to his own work. I was preaching a sermon similar to this many, many years ago, and it just so happens that uh, Grady Wilson, he was one of the main members of the Billy Graham crusade. And for some reason, I looked back, and there he was in the church, and I was preaching to this evangelist who had been preacher all over the world, and I was preaching generally on this text, and I entitled it, Hand Me Another Brick. In other words, when Tobiah made fun, both of the workers and they work, then Nehemiah, his response, we will return to the wall, hand me another brick. And when he came out by me, he said this. He said, you know, I've been telling Billy all of our time together, and when people criticize, 
just keep building the wall. Folks, you as a church may be discouraged. My suggestion to you as an old worn-out preacher is that we keep on building the wall. We keep on pressing on. We keep on serving God. We will not and we must not yield to the giant of discouragement. Not only do we have that example in the Old Testament, but we must ask the question, what should be our response in discouragement? It should be like Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, as he listened to Tobiah, who said, even if a, a, a fox jumps on the wall, it'll fall, and, and what y'all are doing is not worth anything. They continued the work. And I believe that how we should respond is the first thing is to be praying people. Now, I know you've heard me talk about prayer, but I think people understand that prayer is important. Already two people this morning said, Pastor, would you write down these names? I have somebody I want you to pray for. And already I have been praying for those people. Folks, we need to understand the priority of prayer. It bothers me when I hear people say, and I don't hear it very often. Have you heard anybody said, well, all we can do now is pray? Well, when that person says that, they're saying two things. They don't understand the power of prayer, and they probably don't do much praying. When you say all we can do now is pray, you're saying prayer is the last resort. We've done everything we can do. We've tried everything we know to do. And since nothing has worked, then we'll pray. No, that's not what a Christian ought to do. We understand the priority of prayer. I hope we understand something of the power of prayer if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will heal their land. I believe, and I've said it before, but I'm old and I repeat myself, but I believe with all of my heart that the only ultimate hope for America is for us to pray that God will send a revival. People who are not even people of faith are saying that America is ceasing to be what it used to be. We are living in tenuous times. We're living in dangerous times. And the priority of the people of God ought to be that we pray. That's what Nehemiah did. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9, he says, But we prayed to our God, and we posted a guard night and day to meet the threat. Do you get that? What he did is we're going to pray, but we're also going to be on guard. Just because we're prayers doesn't mean that we ought not do what we can do. Nehemiah said, we prayed to the Lord, and we posted a guard. In other words, our responsibility and God's responsibility go hand in hand. And so as we try to slay the giant of discouragement, I believe it will be good for us to remind ourselves that all many of the people of God went through periods of discouragement. 
Joseph did in the Old Testament, Paul did in this text, Peter did. It is all throughout the scripture. Notice in verse, ooh, notice in verse 16. I'm going to hurry, I promise you. I can't hear myself, so I don't even know how it sounds. Okay, verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. I would say Paul is discouraged. But listen, he says, but the Lord, that's in verse 17, the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. We need God's strength. We need his help. We need to pray. And he says, he gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And then he says, and I was delivered from the mouth of the lion. I'm closing my sermon simply by saying this. Christian, some of you are discouraged. We ought not to do anything before we continue to pray. We ought to believe that ultimately God is in control. We ought to admit that there are certain things that are not in our control. And because you may be discouraged, I say again, that's not a sin. But if we yield to it and stop serving the Lord and stop praying and stop being faithful, then it becomes an offense and a giant that robs us of our joy in the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for this church, and I pray, God, that your spirit would hover over this church. And, Lord, by your mercy and your grace, that you would allow this church to move forward in faith, believing that you're in control. You know better than we do, and there are things, Lord, that we do not know that you know. And we ask you, Father, to minister to our heart. There may be an individual here today, Lord, that needs you as their personal Savior. Oh, Father, I pray that that person might understand the greatest decision one could ever make is a decision to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved. And so we make this prayer in the one who gave his all so that we might have life even Jesus the Christ. Amen.